everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 301. In this episode, we're going to talk about threads, workflow updates, landing page tips, and proactive excellence. Now we're going to dive straight in. So Craig, what is our growth thought of the week? All right, I'm going to talk about proactive mediocrity. We are going to talk about threads briefly later in the show because as we record this, it's been launched and so we do have some thoughts on that. But I want to start talking about, actually go back around AI because AI, I think it's hit that point where it's getting pushed back. All the excitement about AI for the last six months, eight months, you know, everyone's excited, it's going to change the world. Now we're getting pushed back, privacy legislation, uh, legal disputes, all these kind of things. I see this as an opportunity, especially for Gen X and boomers. By the way, if you've got the show notes, I've got a bunch of links in the show notes to articles that I'm referring to when I make those comments. And if you've fallen behind or you've kind of felt, oh, I just, um, I I didn't have time to get across AI. Well, now's a good time because everyone's starting to talk about all the negatives. They'll waste a whole lot of mental cycles pointing out all the problems. This is your opportunity to actually catch up, especially if you're a boomer. And we're going to do a whole webinar on AI for boomers later in uh, this quarter because I think there's a lot of people who have heard about it in the older demographics, which I'm actually part of, uh, but they haven't done anything. All the young uh, whippersnappers, oh, they're all across it, right? But boomers, by the way, that's code for decision makers in a lot of companies still. Anyway, I digress. Let's jump into it. I'm talking about what is proactive mediocrity. Well, these AI tools have enabled a way to create junk content at scale very easily. And to demonstrate that, we've actually built a whole page, which I'll go through now, If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see it. Otherwise, there's a link in the show notes. And let's have a look at the page. I'm just going to scroll through it and you can kind of get a sense of the page. Here it is. Oh, nice images. Yes, nice chapters all about how to use HubSpot. Some content here goes along. Okay, nice images. There's some takeaways, how to use the tools, right? So you could be fooled if you first saw this page in thinking, oh, wow, that's actually quite a good page. Here's the point I'm making. It's total junk. I used uh, ChatGPT, a few plugins. This is back from kind of mid to uh, June. So the plugins have changed a lot by the time uh, you're watching this video. But um, the ChatGPT links in the show notes, you can actually have a look at how we created it. I just had a few plugins and I said, write a book about how to get started on using HubSpot. It produced it. Then I gave it to our design team. They created a whole bunch of images in mid-journey. Like everything on this page is generated by AI. But the point is, it's junk. It's actually not providing any value to society. I mean, you might get a few tips, but if you actually read it, you're like, oh, what what do I do with this? It kind of sounds like it's just that, you know, that nebulous, generic junk. Here's my point. There is tons of this being pumped out. What's the opportunity? Well, not this proactive mediocrity, you know, people deliberately just creating this mediocre content, pumping it out into a swamp of junk content. Imagine if you had excellent content and you packaged it up like that. That's the opportunity, proactive excellence. We've always, in the last 10, 15 years, we've all talked about 10x content and make great content. Here's your chance because everyone's looking for the shortcuts. They're using these tools. I see it on Twitter all the time. Oh, I created all this simple AI content and I'm ranking and look at the traffic. It's like, yeah, and then a week or two later, now it's gone. It's just getting drowned in a growing wave of this junk. Here's the opportunity, proactive excellence. Go for it. That's the growth thought of the week. Summary is 
you feel you're behind on AI stuff, okay, catch up on AI, but don't fall into the trap of using it to create junk content. Amazing content packaged well is even more valuable than ever. That's my takeaway. I'm pretty sure you agree, Ian, but anything to add to that? No, I think you've explained it well. And I've seen the iteration of that page coming through. So it is it is fascinating. I think people often forget they look at it visually and they think, oh, wow, that's fantastic. But they don't read anything or they skim it really quickly. And if the headings sound right, then they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's great. Thanks very much. And they carry on. So I think just understanding all of that and making sure we don't fall into that mediocrity bucket. That's right. By the way, speaking of high-value content, we put a lot of time into the show notes. So make sure you sign up for that. Uh, It appears on the Hubshot site, but also you get that email in your inbox. It's a long, meaty email. There is lots of content there. We've had feedback from people saying, oh, it'd be nice if we just had short show notes or a few bullet points. There's a lot to read. And we're like, yeah, that's our approach. We provide detailed, in-depth content. And there's a certain segment of our audience that love it. And then there's other people, I ain't got no time for that. And that's totally fine, right? But if you want uh, the the meaty content and all the links, please sign up for the show notes and uh, that'll get sent to you each Friday. All right. On to our quick shot of the week, Craig, and re-onboarding training idea. And so we're just floating this idea. We've had a few people actually ask us because they've had HubSpot in their company for years and they're interested in the re-onboarding because a lot of things have changed in HubSpot. And even recently, I think I shared with you, someone contacted me on LinkedIn and said, oh, I've just taken over, I've been here four months and I just feel like we've had many fingers in the pie and we just want to start from scratch. Not really start from scratch, but let's just get a baseline and so we can then move forward. So, you know, re-onboarding training, I think that's something that we are doing more and more with people and then taking the matches through the framework. So having a place to start and then work through it. And you'll see in this show, we'll talk about, we've got even the workflow tool, for example, it has changed and improved so much over the last couple of years. So if you set up workflows two years ago, you could probably optimize them to make them better and to actually use more of the features. So we were thinking of doing a half day training session for teams and, um, We'd, of course, need access to your portal before to prepare and we'd do a half-day session over Zoom or Teams with you all. So if you think that sounds useful and you would like to actually have that, we encourage you to, A, sign up to the show notes or just fill out the form on our website and we will get back to you. It's not a product on the website at the minute, but we are just trying to understand if that would be of interest to listeners. All right. Onto a few beta features. So these are these public beta features that are available. And so we've got two that we've noticed. The first one is the content assistance. And I think you, we'll, we'll show, show it and talk about it in the show a little bit later, but definitely well worth making sure that's turned on for yourself and for everybody else just to help you. And the second one is the view filters on assets. So... Views are rolling out across a lot of things. And so what I want to say is that you got to get good at using them because it will make your life so much easier and make things simpler potentially. So a little example I'll give you the other day, you've got potentially two sales pipelines, right? And you might say that you want to and they have the same process, but you only separate them because salespeople don't want to look into different uh, into the one pipeline and see all the deals. 
create a view using the view filters and have everything in the one pipeline might actually make your life easier for reporting and management in the long term. And this can be done across workflows, contacts, companies, et cetera, but well worth getting comfortable and using it. I'll just make a comment about content assistant and people might say, hasn't that been out for months? Why are you only mentioning it now? Yes, but it was in private beta. So we, and I think a lot of our clients have been using it for many months, but this was one of the questions we had for HubSpot. Are we actually allowed to talk about private betas? Because apparently our partner agreement says we're not allowed to. And we were kind of like, well, lots of people talk about it on LinkedIn. Can we talk about it? We tried to get clarification from HubSpot. It didn't actually really give us any, but we're kind of more cautious. We only talk about stuff that's out in public beta, but definitely if you've, uh, you're already using content assistant, this is not an, a brand new iteration. It is the one you've been using. Maybe it's getting uh, updated. I do uh, think it's things. getting better, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you look at ChatSpot, I think they rolled out a updated version of it. I don't know whether I spoke about this last time on the on the show, but- I attended a training that they did. And so I think uh, like for ChatSpot, for example, it was uh, like a little side project that Damesh was doing, I think. And now they have a whole dedicated team towards it. So it's the, what's going to happen, it's going to grow and be a very part, very much a part of the HubSpot ecosystem. So I'd encourage people to use that. So it is a bit of a separate side to everything. But I think in the long term, the better you can get at using it and understanding how it works, the better you'll be and more efficient you'll become. All right. We're going to talk about a HubSpot marketing feature of the week, which is a question that we get all the time, Craig. Should I have a main menu on my landing pages? And why is that? Because we have, as you rightly put it, conventional wisdom versus latest testing. So conventional wisdom would tell us that it's recommended to remove any distractions such as navigation menus, pop-ups on landing pages, right? And the thinking was just so that you made it clear to the visitor that they were to do one thing. So remove all distractions. It's like, don't put 10 signs in front of them. Just have the one thing that's there. And this might be a good starting point in the terms of effectiveness of the approach and being very specific for the situation, right? And that's also to do with the intent of that page. So, for example, one counter to this approach for Craig in the show notes was that when, when visiting a link on a mobile, example on Twitter, Threads, or LinkedIn, he's often interested in learning more about the company. So he's not interested or ready to sign up to things and so on. And I think I'll be, I'd be very similar to that. I get really annoyed when I get pop-ups <laughs> straight away when I visit a page. And then that can be very frustrating to a user, right? So you're, like, you're greeted with this pop-up straight away. So if you've opened up the social app and you're using the in-app browser, even that that's annoying at times and you can't actually manually edit the URL and you, you would often give up. And so I, I often give up too. Or I say I want to open it in my default browser. So what are we suggesting here? You need to simply test and measure this. And if you're using HubSpot, you know, you can create a new template with, with a menu or without a menu, if whichever one you don't have, and try a version without distractions that will work, right? View bounce rates, view conversion rates, measure activity, see how long people are staying there, where they're coming from. That's a big thing, right? So again, we we said mobile or desktop. And even things like, is it paid traffic? So often you'll find 
paid traffic differs greatly to organic traffic in terms of the intent and what people are expecting. So I think understanding those different metrics really helps you understand, should I have that menu or should I not have that menu? And then you can decide on the best approach. So which is the best way forward? I think the thing here is to understand what the goal is. So often it is to drive conversion without causing users to get annoyed. But also just think about where is the traffic coming from? I think those are two things. Where are they coming from and what what are they expecting to see? And when you understand that, then you can appropriately test and measure both of those. And we've got a screenshot of one of our customers that was actually asking that question. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to test and measure to see how it goes and see what is appropriate for their situation. Anything to add, Craig? Yeah, look, I think there's another overriding or over, not overriding, but overarching consideration, which is people just don't like to be controlled and feel manipulated. Mm. So if I open a page and there's nothing else for me to do, I'm like, oh, right. Okay. You're trying to force me to fill out the form. I'm actually interested in your company and what you offer. I want to do research. People want to do research now. So you need to consider that. That's part of the intent with them coming and also the type of audience. If you're a very technical person and you get sent to a landing page and you can't do anything else, it's like, well, you're going to leave. But if you're just, oh, this is not my area or I'm a kind of a beginner in this, maybe a a distraction free is, is better. So your mileage may vary. And I think that's what we're saying. Test and measure. Don't assume conventional wisdom tested on other sites actually applies to your scenario. Test and measure. All right. On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And did you know that there's a total revenue field on company records? And this is not to get uh, mixed up with the annual revenue field. And what this gives us is the deals closed within the company. So if there are multiple deals, you will see this total revenue field against the business and it's automatically set by HubSpot. So If you don't know that, it's a great field maybe to uncover in your company view if you are looking to display that to the business of people in sales. I think this is really good. A client pointed this out to me last week and I was like, oh, no, no, that's the annual revenue field that's pre-filled by HubSpot based on data from the market. And he's like, no, I think it's from deals. I'm like, hang on, what? And he was right. So I'm kind of mentioning that for listeners because I'm always learning new things. I think this has been here for ages, Ian. I, just I think didn't it has about been. it. Yeah. But it's, it's a roll-up. It's a calculated field by HubSpot. It's a roll-up field. You can't edit the calculation or anything like that, but it's really handy. Yeah. And so they're using that. Now, what they want to do is go separately and they want to actually be able to look at, oh, when did the total revenue change? So we're looking, can we report right. on the change date to view the yeah. history of it changing? I don't think you can use another report from that. Uh, But yeah, very handy. Just have it sitting there on a company record. You can use it in views. Filter all your companies based on this property. Show me all the companies that have total revenue greater than that. You don't have to go adding up deals. It's already there for you. So super handy. All right. Onto HubSpot workflow feature of the week, Craig. Take it away. Copy and paste. Copy and paste from workflow actions. This is really nice. We've got an image in the screenshot in the show notes here. So on actions in a workflow, you click the actions menu. Um, by the way, the actions menu appears on triggers as well. So I don't think actions menu applies anyway. <laughs> don't, don't know why it's called actions menu. I think it's called actions menu everywhere throughout HubSpot. But on an action, you click the actions menu. So I just wanted to, in case you're confused by that, 
And you can then copy the action to your clipboard and then you have another tab open in your browser. Got to be the same browser with maybe another workflow in it. Then you just pop yep. over to that workflow and you paste it in. And it's so handy. It's the little things, Ian. Incremental improvements because people, oh, how can I, you know, I've created this really nice action. Maybe it's got a bunch of things. How do I get another workflow? So that's how you do it. Now, some caveats. One is that if you're using the available data sources, that's currently a beta thing in workflows, and you've created your own kind of available data sources, and you use that in an action, you copy and paste that into another workflow that doesn't have that available data set up, you'll get errors like we've got in the screenshot here where it can't really work out what that data object is, which is kind of understandable, right? The other workflow doesn't know what that data is, and so how can you refer to it in action? You've got to set it up. But for other simple things, e.g. assigning an owner or updating a, a, a standard property, uh, let's say on a deal or a contact, yep, it'll do it. The other final thing to mention about copy and paste is it uh, only works on the same type of workflow. So an action from a contact workflow, you can't copy that and then paste it into a deal workflow, which kind of makes sense again. Anyway, super handy. I really like it. All right. Onto our CMS feature of the week and content assistant. And it's out of public beta now. And you'll probably see if you haven't logged into HubSpot, there'll be pop-ups appearing when you log in. So well worth utilizing it and making sure. And so in the settings under tools, it's actually available there. So you can turn it on. And so this applies to blog landing pages, website pages, email, social uh, conversations, uh, even in the HubSpot mobile app for iOS, surprisingly, which I didn't realize, Craig, CTAs and the sales Chrome extension. And I think the sales Chrome extension in Gmail, that was one of the ones I didn't realize had content assistant. Mm-hmm. And I've actually now had to play with it and had to use it a few times. But what we do want to highlight here is be aware that there are privacy considerations in here and it does get you to tick something where it says, please avoid sharing any sensitive information in your prompts because to improve the product, HubSpot logs and stores the prompts, the generated language and usage metrics when you use the AI assistant. So and HubSpot shares your prompts with OpenAI and able to enable it to use the tool and open AI features and store the prompts for your content moderation purposes. So just, I think what we want to do is make you aware because people might not be aware that this is happening and what's working on behind the scenes. I think that's right. I think this is becoming table stakes in a lot of tools. Surprised it took so long for HubSpot to make it into public beta. It's been in private beta for a long time. And funnily enough, it's gone into public beta just in time for all the pushback that's starting to happen in AI that we chatted about at the start of the show. They've very clearly said, don't share sensitive information. And I think this is the problem. If you turn it on, it's for your portal wide. So Mm. if you're in a company that's got sensitive information and you're potentially using content assistant to help you with stuff, just be mindful of that. You don't want to be pasting in, oh, here's our our, you know, some some landing page that's going into, uh, it's under embargo until a launch later in the year. Maybe it's got sensitive financial details or market sensitive stuff. So you've got to be careful about that because that's popping back into OpenAI's AI's, you know, repository. So a lot to be thinking about this. This is going to become an interesting area over the coming months and there'll be pushback and then people embracing it. And so, yeah. Make the decision that's right for your business. 
All right. Talk about your HubSpot wishlist item of the week, Craig, about importing WordPress comments into a HubSpot blog. Okay. Spoiler alert, it doesn't import WordPress comments into a HubSpot blog. So we've been gradually over the last couple of years moving all our sites into HubSpot CMS. And so we're down to our final, I don't know, 10 or 20 sites that we're moving over into HubSpot. And one of them is actually my personal blog. I've got this in the show notes, which I started writing in 2004. It's uh, been a while and I've uh, got a lot of posts and I've got a few comments, you know, a couple of thousand comments. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to bring that over into HubSpot now. It'll bring the posts nicely, does all the images, but not all the comments. I was like, oh, hang on, I think it used to, because I'm pretty sure we've imported other blogs years ago and it brought the comments over. And I contacted support and they said, no, uh, the HubSpot importer from WordPress does not bring over comments. I was like, oh, that's why? That's really frustrating. Anyway, they said, oh, hire a developer to use the API and do all this. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, that's my wish list. Why doesn't it bring comments? Surely that's a valuable part of comment uh, of content from your site. And actually one of my wife's sites, which we want to bring over, it's got more than 20,000 comments. And some of her most popular blog posts have more than 1,000 comments on a single post. And I was like, well, we don't want to lose all of that, all this conversation over the years. We don't want to lose. Anyway, it looks like a showstopper for me. There's going to be a bunch of sites we just never bring over to HubSpot. They'll stay in WordPress, I guess, until something changes or someone else does it. But anyway, that's my wish list. I'm really, I'm really surprised that it doesn't do it. As I say, I think it used to, uh, but it doesn't now. And I don't know, it's kind of a question for Damesh. Why wouldn't you do that? Why has the team decided not to do it? It's all there in the XML files. It's not like a, it's not like a data structuring issue. It's in the XML, right. beautifully structured, easy to do. Just not sure why they don't do it. Anyway, that's my wish list and unfortunately a showstopper for some of our final sites. All right. On to our listener feedback of the week, Craig, and from Paul. This is what he said. He loves the tips and insights, tangible and measurable approach to HubSpot, step process, real life client examples, and excellent for getting a guide and an unbiased view on HubSpot ecosystem. So thank you, Paul. You know who you are. Thanks, Paul. All right, on to our AI prompt of the week, Craig. Mid-journey prompts, which you and your team are very much, I can see, forging ahead. So sh- tell us more. Oh, look, we're churning it. We use mid-journey so much. We've created thousands and thousands of images in mid-journey. We've actually created a whole separate brand, Zen Create. I think some of our listeners know that. We've got a whole new LinkedIn page and thing where we're sharing prompts each day. Here's just one. And we like to share prompts that actually have issues in them as well to highlight some of the problems with mid-journey, it's, it's, I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it just does everything. You just put in prompt and it's got it for you. It's like, well, no, we actually spend a fair bit of time on some of our prompts getting them right. So here's an example. If you've got the show notes, or you're watching on YouTube, you can see it of an image, a reasonably complex prompt. There was a particular kind of style or in a series that we're building out. And you can see issues with the fingers on both hands. There's little yep. issues. And also the laptop, it looks like it's yes. combined a and so I, we like to highlight these, kind of say, look, here's what's possible, but here's the issues, and you often have to do variations and iterations for it as well. So it's getting better. Anyway, this is the future, and we're, we're trying to create a hashtag on LinkedIn, which is never use a stock image again. By the way, the HubShots site, every image there except of you and me, Ian, uh, we've now gone and updated. There's not a single stock image on the HubShots site now. We're currently doing that for all our other sites as well going through never use the stock image again 
as I said, we've got a whole uh, mid-journey page on LinkedIn and there's a few others, lots of different things that we're building out uh, for clients. So uh, embrace it or have a chat to us if you want us to build out some stuff for your uh, graphic design process. I think the highlight on that, uh, there's a bunch of images, that, that dog with his food, Craig. <laughs> yeah, the, the puppy eating his gibble. There you go. <laughs> All right. What's our thought of the week, Craig? The kindness before the storm. Yeah, threads. Um, I know you're on threads, but you kind of haven't jumped in. You're just no, kind I of haven't testing jumped, the orders. dived in. All right. So as we write, uh, record this, this is the 12th of July. Threads has been out for about a week or so. It's just passed. In fact, as I was writing this show note, I thought it had just passed 100 million users, right, in five days. Pretty incredible. And I'm not going to go into the features because it's a, it's a version one. And by the way, it's very good for version one. Yeah. There's lots of stuff missing, not going to talk about that. What I am going to talk about and why I like it, and it's probably going to be my social home, which to date has really just been Twitter and YouTube is really where I yeah. hang out. Uh, but I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to go back to Twitter. I'm only on LinkedIn for our company pages. You know, I'm just not into LinkedIn and Instagram, not really, but threads I, I think is a fit for me. And I thought I'd mention why. Just for listeners, I'm interested in feedback, and of course, this is going to change rapidly. By the time you're listening to this, probably Threads has changed so many times. But my initial reaction is it's a reset. I've got hardly any followers, so there's no pressure to you know write about certain things. I'm just going to share what I want. I don't share a lot of images, so Instagram wasn't really the place for me, but just random thoughts or sharing links and things like that. So that's where I'm going to be. I mean, you can follow me on Threads if, if you want. Um, I don't think I'm going to be particularly interesting for most people, but I feel uninhibited. So it's the freedom of a fresh start that I really like on threads. And that to me is really important. We'll see how it goes, but I think that's going to be my main channel. That's where I think I'm going to be, threads. And one of the things is, because I was really early on Twitter, I was, I think, 2009, which was in the first year or two I'd started, and even LinkedIn, I was one of the really early joined but that was all in my uh microsoft community days i was in the microsoft community for 20 years or so before you know i got into marketing and uh hubspot so a lot of my connections are decades old and most of them are from a different community so i've i've never really felt comfortable about the switch to talking about hubspot you know with those audiences whereas threads Mm. i can and so i think i'm going to be on threads and youtube that's really where i'm going to be so anyway, for what it's worth, I thought people might find that interesting. And I think probably a lot of our listeners are not yet on threads. I know we have a lot of people in the EU that listen to the show and you can't even get threads there. So they may be looking at it and wondering about it. And then if they're really interested, of course, they're jumping on VPNs and doing that as well. But as it rolls out, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. I mean, what's your thoughts, Ian? You've played with it a little bit, I know. I have played with it a little bit, Craig, and I just haven't. Uh, to be honest, I never got into Twitter I, I, mm. I do read a lot and get a lot out of Twitter, but I haven't actually posted that much. So I haven't jumped into threads. I think it might be easier because it's obviously connected to Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, but I need to really jump in. So I can't say very much at this minute. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting times. It'll change. And by the time this episode goes out and people are listening to it, it's probably changed massively, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm all for the ride. Anyway, the final comment, and this is the title, I said the kindness before the storm because in the first couple of days of any new, you know, thread, I remember when Google Plus, was it called? Google Plus, Google Circles or whatever it was. It was all very positive. People were kind, very polite. And that's what Threads is like at the moment. All the rage 
and the clickbait divisive headlines aren't, aren't there yet. And so the sentiment that I'm picking up is people are like, oh, we're really enjoying this safe space. I don't know if that's the right term. But there's this underlying dread because people know it's coming. It's kind of let's enjoy the moment now when everyone's kind and positive, but we kind of know once all the rage turns up and also all the marketers, you know, marketers ruin everything in when they turn up and it, you know, it becomes, (laughs) has its own problems uh, and that. So enjoy it for now and let's see how quickly we can, or how long we can hold off all that um, unpleasantness. All right, Craig, onto our quote of the week, which is actually, you've put in here the word of the week. What is the word of the week? The word of the week is pronoia. I have never heard of it. Tell me. Yeah, well, it's the opposite of paranoia. So if paranoia is kind of feeling that the world's or people or entities are kind of conspiring against you, pronoia is the opposite. You actually think the world's conspiring to do good for you. So I don't know, they're both kind of delusions of sort. I don't know if you'd choose one or the other, but if you had to choose between them, I'd go for pronoia. That's right. Definitely. All right, now onto our training of the week, and this is about unclogging your stuck pipeline with bare ends. And it was, something, it was actually a webinar that you watched on YouTube, right, Craig? That's right. He did the webinar, and then he posted it on YouTube. I thought it was really good. You know, so it's on YouTube, free to watch. A good reminder of a few things. Uh, well, the first thing to mention was we're in a time of uncertainty, not panic. And I agree with that. There's caution, but there's not panic. Hmm. There's not, oh, no, we're not doing anything, cut all budgets. But there is uncertainty, there's caution. And so he went through five kind of thought lines to consider from the client's perspective. And so I quickly just mention them because this kind of sets up the webinar and then he answers it. I'm not going to go through how he answered them all. But the five thought lines were timing. The the, the clients are thinking, look, do we actually need this now? I, I know we need it, but do we need it now? Can we kick it down the road? Opportunity cost, look, should we be spending this money elsewhere? Third is the risk. Look, I know we need it, but um, is this is there a risk this will fail or are we guaranteed? Fourth is ROI. Okay, yeah, I, I get that we'd want that. Yeah, that'll be handy, but is it actually worth paying what you're asking? And then fifth is complexity. And I actually felt this was kind of one that resonates with a lot of our clients. It's like, oh, look, it's kind of complex. There's a lot to think about. People are overwhelmed. They're like, oh, I've got all this stuff on my plate and I'm doing this. This is just too hard. So there's a complexity that they kind of just don't want to consider now. And so then he talks about how you might chat with a prospect around these and, you know, complexity, just break it down, simpler bits, all that kind of thing. Worth watching. And then in the second part, he had a bit of a QA and a where people had questions around specific scenarios. Worth a listen for that alone, actually. The key advice I saw coming up as a theme was just ask the prospect, talk to them. Mm. So people are saying, oh, in this kind of scenario, what do you think the prospect's thinking? What would be? And he's like, well, maybe you ask them and you kind of phrase it, oh, what I'm hearing from you is that you're unsure about whether this will actually solve. You know, just chat with them. I mean, some clients aren't going to give you the truth. I'll just palm you off and that kind of stuff. But the ones that are really interested in working with you will be a bit more honest and upfront and then you can have those conversations. So I think it's really worth the watch. He's the guy that wrote Win Without Pitching. I've read that book a number of times. He also hosts the podcast with David C. Baker, who we both love and read his books as well. So that's recommended. All right. And now, listeners, if you haven't downloaded the HubShots framework and kind of got a roadmap of where you are, uh, I encourage you to do so. Print it out. on a, It's an A3 post. You can print it out, stick it on the wall, use it on your iPad. But 
I encourage you to actually use it as a working document. So in our, in a lot of our coaching and training sessions, we've been using it with clients to really map out where they are. And even some of the basic things, Craig, like I was telling you yesterday was they were like, oh yeah, it's all set up, you know? And as I went, as we went through it and we went back and we looked, oh, have we set up all of our branding correctly? So the, you know, okay, logos are in there, but the alt text of the image is vast.png. So it's it's a it's a mm. HubSpot default, but they hadn't changed that. So there were things that we could actually improve on. And I think that is the thing. It's like, don't forget, you might think that, oh, I've done that, but maybe someone else did it. So go back, just take, spend a couple of minutes to look at it and make your portal so much better just by having this map in place, which is the HubShots framework. Well, until next time, Craig. I have to encourage people to sign up to the show notes. You'll get an email from Craig and you can reply to that. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And thank you to those who have connected with, with us. Very much appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the show. Until next week, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.